Saludos fanáticos de la lucha And welcome to another episode of Let Me Tell You Something As myself, Lorcan Mullen and my co-host Simon Cross Review matches that Dave Meltzer previously viewed And gave five stars That's Cinco de Staros Oh, <laughs> you've been doing so well I didn't update Google Translate in time oh. Cinco Estralas out of Cinco. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're back in we're in Mexico for the first time, if you didn't figure it out already. <laughs> As it's nineteen ninety three, January of nineteen ninety three, and we are watching a staple of the Mexican wrestling scene. It's a trios match under two out of three falls rules and a whole load of other rules by the looks of it. And maybe more than one match. As Heavy Metal, Pecudo, and Psychosis take on winners. Is that a spoiler warning? We'll find out. Super Calo, who's unfortunately not with his two regular partners, Fragilistic and Expialidocious. And <laughs> one, Rey Mysterio Jr. Oh, you've got... At this point, Simon, I don't know if you realise this, this is a match with one participant in this match is has barely just gone past his 18th birthday. Rey Mysterio Jr., before he lost the junior, because Vince McMahon has daddy issues, is... And gained all the uh, chest muscle. <laughs> yes. And took, a, took to wearing baggy trousers for a while. Um, is taking part in a five-star match... Very barely beyond his 18th birthday. Now, I will. I've always admitted that Lucha Libre is kind of one of my blind spots as a as a wrestling fan. It's like um, I like to consider myself a film lover, a lover of most cultures of film as well, or at least a, an interest in all of them. And yet, I've yet to see a what you would call Bollywood film. It's always been one of the things on top of my list. So I guess kind of my lack of knowledge in that area as a movie fan, as a wrestling fan, like my lack of knowledge about Lucha Libre. Is sort of my guilty, um, my guilty secrets. Uh, Not anymore. Yeah. Are you along those lines yourself, Simon? Uh, yeah, I knew a little bit about lucha culture, um, purely from reading Eddie Guerrero's autobiography. I you were actually, say purely from Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> Not seen Nacho Libre actually. So it is interesting though. I think like the general public, like if you were to say certain things about certain countries, like say things about the Netherlands, you think hash windmills, clogs. clogs. Um, and and that sort of stuff. You you want to say think about Sweden? You think ABBA, fjords, fit women, very, IKEA, very Volvo, women, IKEA. Yeah, yeah. I think when you think of Mexico, one of the first things if you were to do like a stereotypical images of Mexico, you'd have a lucha libre wrestler with a mask and a cape. Yeah, and kind of a barrel chest. I can't think of a single like hip Mexican place I've been to that hasn't had a luchador painted in it somewhere. Some figure of El Santo or of that sort of... Dis- like with the film Coco that came out recently, El Santo was in that. 
But Al Santo was a god in Mexico, so... Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, and it's... So, and, and weirdly, actually, I think the Bollywood uh, comparison kind of works because Bollywood works within its own logic of what a movie is and what a movie can be and what a movie's supposed to be. It's very similar to Mexico's vision of wrestling being different. Like, for a start, they leave from the right. You put you When you do a headlock, you put it with your right arm... You work on the right leg, you work the right arm. Whereas in America and everywhere else, you work from the left, for the most part. It's just weird little things like that. You know, they drive on the, you know, they drive on the other side of the road. They put mustard on their chips and all sorts of crazy crap like that, you know? Not necessarily Mexicans, just, you know, other countries with their ways. Yeah. Um, before I become John Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Um... And so it's weird to get that access point because there's so many aspects of this that, like, it's wrestling, but not wrestling as I know it. No. Two referees. Yeah, that's weird. Like, the ring's already crowded. Yeah. And um, the two referees are doing the same job. Oh, Look, oh, oh okay, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. This baffled me. <laughs> I, I, I was a baffled man. It didn't help that the pitch quality was a very poor quality. Yeah, but I can't really use that excuse because we've had Flair Wyndham with fan cam, mm. you know? So Basically, from what I could tell, two matches happened. The same match, it happened twice. And I don't know if Dave Meltzer rated the first one, which seemed to last about two minutes. Or if it's just a whole, the whole angle from start to finish. Because basically, it becomes a wild brawl right at the start. The heels, the, the Rudos attack the Technicos. And there is chaos um, and Winners is pinned within the first minutes. Yeah, like rolled up. Yeah, then Mysterio pins Psychosis, and then he pins Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal's well in, like, well in the ropes, so the pin shouldn't have counted. Yeah, I have um, Arm Under Rope. I wrote it at the time as a false finish. Yeah, that's what I thought, because then they, re- then they go on, but then two more falls happen. So yeah. basically what I think is that Mysterio winners and Heavy Metal uh, no, Mysterio winners and Super Callow won that match Yeah, and then they had another match and we'll continue on from there Yes the, the thinking about it and looking at my notes now, the way I interpret it is I think they restart the whole thing Because mm. I thought they were going to restart the third fall Yeah because that's what confused me. There are two more falls. Essentially, in the next match, is one by two straight falls. Big disclaimer, obviously, with this, is there was a language barrier with the commentary. And maybe if we had English commentary, we'd have followed it far easier. But we can still understand... We've, we've understood nearly every Japanese match almost perfectly. Uh, true, uh, true. And this does sort of lead into one of my... I wouldn't say many, but a couple of criticisms about this match is exactly that. Um we've been blessed by a lack well, with a language that's sort of universal the language of wrestling and one of the things that the japanese have done well for the most part some josie matches were a bit confusing as to who won and like the finishes um i knew what exactly what was happening and i, I knew the story without knowing the words mm. i cannot cannot say it for this match i think maybe because should... there's so many words it's like talking to a man on coke Lucha matches feel more like exhibitions. Yeah, it, it's very globetrottery. Yes. Is that what you're yes. But they still do plenty of 
crowd psychology. They still have characters that they are all super charismatic in in different. Yeah, ways. well, they all get their like little star wipe at the start. Yes. It reminds me of um, the Simpson, the Cartridge Family Simpsons episode. <laughs> See, Ariega, Ariega two, Zariega. <laughs> Um, I could Salsa. just see Homer in the crowd going, uh, oh, I'll just kill myself if Portugal doesn't win. I don't know any of those people. And they'll be signing autographs. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> uh, that was one of the few times I got angry at The Simpsons. That whole football's uh, boring. I was like, I'm not going to take this Yeah, like... from the country that gives us American football and claim that our version is boring. <laughs> Like baseball, uh, I saw a great comment earlier that baseball is for, is cricket for people that can't count. <laughs> uh, but let's go on to, again, culture clashes, etc. Yeah. Different strokes for different folks. What I will say, though, is Lucha Libre wrestlers are... I, I, don't, I wonder if their matches are agented. When you look at, like... <laughs> Do you get where I'm coming from? I, I think they are, but it's by some jaded guy who can't go anymore because his knees blow out. And he's just, he is doing, uh, he's smoking a fag in the back. He's going, do what the fuck you want. I mean, do you watch, Botchamanies just basically have to put aside a whole special episode for every year's Triple Mania now when AAA do their big event because of how many things go wrong. Timings, miscues, confusing storylines. Botches, guys accidentally toe-paying into pen, old-age pension ladies. He's got so many fish in that particular barrel that he's just got himself a fresh barrel, just so he's got a chance. <laughs> just, just so it's sport, you know, he has, you know, a challenge. In but the rest, let's make it clear, the wrestlers are very talented, and there are sequences within this match that, especially when you remember this is 1993, would have been jaw-dropping. Yeah, they it's, don't look... Out of place today, some of the stuff. Rey Mysterio might be in the top 10 most important game-changing figures in wrestling. Like up there with Tiger Mask, up there with Dynamite Kid, up there with um, uh, Buddy Rogers or or Gorgeous George. And his staying power is phenomenal. His match at Halloween Havoc against Eddie Guerrero in 96 tore the house down. And yet, what we're talking about, 23 years later, um, as Ricochet's obviously worked his way through the ranks in NXT, I'm frothing, frothing. My mouth froths at the prospect of a Ricochet, like Rey Mysterio match on the grand stage. Ricochet is probably the, the most graceful wrestler since prime Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Um, but what? But this is interesting, because I'll tell you what, though. There's things about this match that I, I realise, like, the cultural effect that it's had elsewhere in other wrestling that I have watched. I always knew Chikara was, like, very inspired by Lucha Libre, but there's so many spots in Chikara matches that I've watched, especially in their trios tournaments, that yeah. you can tell are coming from these traditional trios matches, the Rudos, the way that the Rudos work the triple team manoeuvres, um, and and how the escape, and they follow the lucha rules where you don't have to tag out, you can also, if you leave the ring, a partner can come in. Which makes face in peril bits, although they do happen, 
they're not as prevalent. See, you're rubbing your eyes, but it's not actually that as important within the psychology of a Lucha Libre match. Just as it isn't that important in the psychology of most of these Japanese wrestling matches that we've covered. Yeah, it, it, you, I, I am hardwired with what I've learned, and this is different to what I've learned. And uh, Your white, gay, male gaze, Simon. <laughs> My white male gaze. It's different, so I must hate it. <laughs> no. Um, no, no, but in all seriousness... Well, there is something to that, like the, the biases that you are accustomed to that have been catered to you this is not wrestling that's catered to you and your no. proclivities no uh no it doesn't really fit within my palette um it's it's just carnage at some points as well it's like i mean i i mean i know i've talked about it already the fact i didn't know who won <laughs> bothers me I feel well, that's an important it, feature of a wrestling match. <laughs> well, I'll say it now. I think what it, how it works is that Rey Mysterio and Co. won the first one 2-1. And then Heavy Metal Psychosis and um, Picardo, who had a Union Jack on his gear for some reason. That's not confusing. <laughs> they won the next match 2-0. They won it in two straights. And the yeah. Heavy Metal was very much the MVP. And he was the one that impressed me the most after Rey Mysterio in this match. Uh, there was a couple of moments like he went through the second and top rope to the outside and landed on his feet. Um, he did a jumping springboard off the top rope, somersault land back, somersault landed on his feet. Uh, he had some impressive uh, throws as well, like he the 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 pin that he does on Rey Mysterio, the two pins that because he get he claims both falls over Rey Mysterio in this. Uh, second match. He does, yeah. He gets him in what looks like it's going to be a submission hold and then it turns into a cradle. And then in the second uh, fall he pins him with a fall away slam that he then bridges from. And he does all this whilst wearing I'm pretty sure a leather jacket for most of the match. He must have been sweating <laughs> balls off. The costumes are very bright, very colourful as in like you know, it did remind me of like of, of Mexican yeah. culture being very colourful and their celebrations and their costumes for larger for events and everything. And heavy metal did remind me of like what the WWE were doing at this time in the early nineties of like, oh, that's his character. He likes heavy metal. Give him a leather jacket, you know. He sort of looks a little bit like Sean Waltman, actually. Yes. Yes, he does, yeah. Especially because Waltman sort of wore jackets like that when he was um, DXing it up and bobbling his head around. But it's interesting, again, like in American wrestling, there are standard moves that become popular, like drop kicks and, and those sort of things just are in every match. In Mexico, those moves are like tilt-a-whirl backbreakers and flying head scissors and hurricane runners. I mean, Rey Mysterio is essentially, at various points in this match, finding new ways to do a hurricane runner on someone usually that person being psychosis and that's interesting when Rey Mysterio was making his move up the ladder and was becoming a name around the world it was psychosis that was essentially the dynamite kid to his yeah. tiger mask he was the perfect sort of crash pad he was the guy that could be bounced off of and that's why I think it's interesting you saying the ricochet Rey Mysterio matches because I think Rey Mysterio sometimes is not ideal against another high flyer if that high flyer is a bit bigger than him. But if their if their offense is based on dives and that, Rey Mysterio isn't that great a crash mat to land on. It's not a lot True. of I see what area. you're saying, yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
Like, you know, yeah. a Baron Corbin or a, you know, a, a, a Samoa Reigns, Joe. A Samoa Joe can catch a ricochet and be a, a counterweight to him, no pun intended. Yeah. A counterpoint to him that Rey Mysterio can't necessarily be. But, you know, Psychosis could fly. Psychosis could go. I mean, at the end, towards the end of the match, Psychosis does do, in that the, the typical Lucha Libre dive to the outside sequence, he dives onto Rey Mysterio. And I enjoyed that, actually. That was a common spot that then became overused almost, that they always, you know, everyone starts brawling on the outside, waiting for the guy to come. This one, it was a lot quicker. That It wasn't a case of everyone... T- it seemed like whoever hit the dive was then the one that took the next dive. You are the crash mat. Yeah, it's yeah. It, like, I think it's, they go they for the entire... They weren't always hitting just whoever, including their partners. Yeah, I think all you had left to do at one point were the refs to start diving. And they had a spare one, so they probably could have done it. But yeah, it's interesting. The root, root, the, the Lucha uh, influence <clears throat> also bled into the junior heavyweight wrestling style of the late 90s, which essentially one of the terms it got known as was like Jap Lucha. Yeah. And that was really prevalent, especially in the, the great Sasuke Michinoku pro scene. And also uh, in ECW with the super crazy Yoshihiro Tajiri matches. That brilliant fusion of what the Japanese were offering with what the Mexicans offering. And you've seen that Mexican influence. A good example being the moments in it where the Rudos, being Rudo heels antagonizing the crowd, get, uh, I think it's winners... Two of them get him in like an arm bar on each side, and yeah. Psychosis like climbs onto his back and does a pose in front of the crowd to get them rallied. I remember the uh, original Kai and Tai doing spots like that in their sort of six man, eight man, ten man matches, and Michinoku Pro, and in um, ECW at Barely Legal, they they did that again. So it's it's interesting seeing that influence that that bled into Japanese wrestling, and then you know. Yeah, I mean, we... The, the, the dives to the outside, the WCW Cruiserweight division, which had so many of these. Like, Super Calo was in it, Psychosis was in it, uh, Rey Mysterio was in it. Obviously, Rey Mysterio is one of the top stars of it. Oh, yeah, we talk all the time about uh, how what people take from what we're watching. Um, watching a match like this, maybe it's... Maybe it's why there's too many dives now. You know what I mean? Because... Like, for all its flaws and faults um, in this match, the diving is quality. Um, and dives look cool. Like, there's no two ways about it. People want to do the cool stuff, mm. like, in life. Um, it's like how in the gym around January you see, like, uh, how the bicep machines are in overuse. Um, but, but no one's doing any, like, leg leg dips or anything like that. Or, you know. Leg day! Leg day, what's that, you know, that kind of thing. It's the same sort of principle. You know, everyone loves the glamour stuff. Um, and to, I, there, to me, there was just a lot of glamour stuff. And I think because people saw things like this, maybe it's why we've ended up where we are now. Do you see where I'm coming from? In yeah. terms of like, w- name me a, um, a WWE main event match that hasn't had a suicide dive in yeah. it. Yeah, well... All Roman Swan died. Well, you look at the names of most of these moves. Pescado, Plancha. To the best of my knowledge, those are Mexican... Actually, I'll go back onto the Google Translate to see what it gives me. Switch it around. (laughs) Pescado means fish. So, I don't know. 
Plancha means griddle. I don't know, maybe that works. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Those are, those are Mex- Hurricane Rana, Mexican version of it, you know. As much as Scott Steiner might believe it should have been called a Frankensteiner. Steiner. <laughs> um, but there's 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 elements of it that are enjoyable and, and notable, and and they're they're incredibly talented. And it's just interesting. You just got to try and like I said, I imagine the first time I watch a Bollywood film, it will the 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 three hours, the switches in genres and tones, the musical numbers, uh, you know, those sort of things will be hard to get around but i imagine over time if you can you know it's like i you know i don't know all of opera but some of the opera i've listened to i i like but i don't think i could give a an informed opinion of it until no so really we can't give greatly informed opinions on on this no no uh, we can't without our western you know uh white northern hemisphere northwest hemisphere biases um but it's still, you can see the talent on display. But it's just interesting just seeing these things like, what's a collar and elbow tie-up in, in pro wrestling? In Mexico, that's the one guy slapping the other guy on the back as he's doing the run along the ropes. And it's yeah. like, a, that's basically like, they're, okay, let's do this. Let's see who's going to get the one up on this. And there's almost like an inherent understanding within, you know, Luchini Between the two of them. We do. We're going to like see who can who flip can, the best. Who can outstyle the other one? Who's going to be able to get that head scissors? Or who's going to be able to turn it into a tilt-a-whirl backbreak? And, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and, and like I said, the agility of and And then trying to kick several times, they would kick the leg as the guy was running the ropes. Sometimes they trip up. Sometimes they're able to turn it into a backflip like heavy metal does. You know, and, and it's just interesting trying to understand the fundamentals that you don't have a grasp of before you can get the more intricate stuff. But at the same time, I do think there's a lack of psychology as we understand it that could be implemented very easily and would make these matches better matches. My guess is that Eddie Guerrero makes these sort of matches better matches. Yeah. Um... My guess is that an older Rey Mysterio would make these matches better matches. Well, I personally think Eddie and Ray's match at Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety six is a perfect example of what we are discussing. Ninety seven. Ninety seven. Why have I got ninety six in my head? I don't know. I don't know. Never it's mind. The other way around. I don't know. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm going to ask you because I, I think my opinion is quite clear, and I'll. I'll put my colour to the mast. I don't think this is five star. I don't think this is five stars either. Um, and I don't think Dave Meltzer would give it five stars in hindsight either. Um, but you've got to remember, like, this stuff in 1993 was groundbreaking. This was as big a deal as what Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid were doing in, in the 80s, like ten years, previous, uh, 10 years previously. So I'm consistent because I didn't give that five stars either. No, you didn't. <laughs> Well, you can argue you've been consistent with every match, but a few, <laughs> if you go by that logic. Um, but it's, yeah, it's definitely something that we can talk about. Maybe we'll try and fit, because, like I said, there's not many Mexican matches that... that he, he gave a load of these matches around this time, like four and three quarter stars. There are tons of Rey Mysterio matches around this mm. period that got four and three quarter stars. Matches with, like, Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis and more you know, trios and, and and all those sort of matches. And maybe some of them are better, but it was just because it was new, 
that's what made him give it five stars. It makes it better, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Quite this possibly. is the first time Rey Mysterio is becoming known, because he's only 18. So, you know... Is he uh, like a four-year pro at this point? Uh, he started when he was 16. Ah, okay. So he's got two or three years, but I'm sure he'd been practicing for many years before then. Yeah. But this is also interesting, like, when, when uh, Zack Sabre Jr. went to Mexico, and, you know, he's got his problems with those people now. He kind of made it part of his gimmick. But he did say that there was a tradition within Mexican wrestling of mat wrestling called La Luta or something like that. And it's basically a requirement for someone who wants to become a luchador to first become an amateur wrestler. Okay. So they do have, like, the Young Lion system in New Japan. You learn your fundamentals, and then you can go flying off the ropes. So, Makes sense, because that's, like, core strength, balance, yeah. ring awareness. Like, I, I'll be it's curious, the, it's yeah. tra- uh, the skills are transferable. Yeah. I will be curious to see as time goes on, like, try and watch some more Mexican wrestling from this this particular golden period. Uh, There is at least one more match that we have to look forward to, this AAA match, and that one does involve Eddie Guerrero, so we have that to look forward to. There is a Mexican match that won match of the year in 2000 that did was again one that did Meltzer give it five stars or not. What I've seen is he gave it three and three quarter, four and three quarter stars. And uh, I believe that was between Atlantis and Villano um, Tres, Villano Three, um, in, um, yeah, Villano Three Atlantis in 2000. So maybe that could be one of the ones that we do as our uh, could have beens five stars. We'll yeah, see. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So that's in that's in our minds. And from what I understand, if you want to watch great lucha libre matches, for the most part, the lucha libre at its best, you don't go to AAA. You go to CMLL. Um, so maybe that'll be something to look at going forward. That's where all the new Japan guys go for their training. That's where Tetsuya Naito kind of reinvented himself. That's where um, Hiromu Takahashi sort of became ticking time bomb and had his matches with a guy called Dragon Lee that became like the talk of uh, junior heavyweight wrestling. So that's kind of it for us for this one. Yeah. Um, Our next trip is back to Japan and we've got a couple of Joshi matches coming from uh, two cards in 1993, April of 1993. Uh, the first of which is Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki against the Inaways of Kyoko and Takayo at Dream Slam 1. And we'll be following that up with another match. And these are interpromotional matches as well, because this was basically the biggest card in Joshi wrestling history at the time. And it was all Japan women putting themselves up against the best of the other Japanese promotions. So... It was all Japan women's uh, in our ways taking on JWP's Suzuki and Ozaki. So that is our next episode. And come back for that when you can. But until then, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, how can they do so? They can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free, because a third referee would have prevented this match from being needed to be restarted. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I get in touch with you, Lorcan? They can get in touch with me on Gmail at L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L A for Atlantis N for Negro Casas uh, That is at gmail.com That's my email address If you get rid of the at gmail.com and just go with Lorcan Modern that's my Twitter handle, Facebook, Letterboxd, Instagram 
all the all those good things. Uh, well, probably for civilization, many of them have been bad things, but <laughs> that's not what we're discussing here. Well, that's a whole other kind of worms. We're discussing a bunch of guys in masks doing somersaults. <laughs> but if you want to get in touch with us as a collective, uh... that is lntyspod at gmail dot com. And if you drop the at gmail.com, that is our Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And we'll hopefully drop a tweet on there once in a while. Once in a while. But until then, my name is Lorca Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Any pain, 